Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Generosity. Would you consider yourself a generous person? If you don't, is there someone in your in your life, in your mind? that encapsulates the picture of generosity. Someone that was just always willing to give of themselves, someone that was willing to go the extra mile on behalf of someone else. Maybe it was the person who, that you know that just loved to pay for other people's meals at the pub or, or someone who loved to get the next round of drinks at the pub. Actually, that's the first two illustrations at the pub. You can tell where I was over the weekend in one form or another for a birthday party and whatever. Generosity, though, is one of those things that we love to experience. Who loves to experience a little bit of generosity? Absolutely. If you didn't put your hand up, you're lying. We all love generosity because it's, it's receiving the thing. Sorry, I'm just calling you out. <laughs> we love to and we receive generosity because it is a wonderful thing. It's a thing that we celebrate. And this week we are looking at one, another one of our core values in this Shaping Culture series and we've looked at a whole bunch of things, and the reason we're looking at these is because we feel that it's five values, and they're up there if you wanted to know, five values that help to shape our worshiping and communal life as a church towards that which God is calling us to. And the reason that these values matter is because we feel like or we sense that God is calling us to be distinctly different to the culture around us, that the world has the world around us, the culture, the, you know, all of it has a great many things to say about what we could and should be doing with our life. And many of them can be good things in and of themselves. Yet the closer that we look, the, the sooner we realize that all of them are inadequate in their own ways to shaping us towards the people that God would have us be. So if we, if we don't want to receive those things as our cues for the way that we are to be shaped and formed, then we need to look to something else. One of the things that I have, was taught to me when it, when it comes to bringing up children is that your children are being formed whether you like it or not. And it's your becomes your choice if you want to form them or if you are happy for someone else to do so. What an interesting thing to think about. But I don't think any of us would disagree, those of that have been parents. We are all being formed by something. And so we as a church want to be formed in intentional ways to be the type of community that is radically distinct from the world around us. Why? So that it empowers us to have a profound and significant witness to the gospel, the truth, the love of Jesus Christ for the world around us. So that's the why behind this series. And so as I said, we're taking a stop and looking at one of our values, which is radical generosity. Radical generosity. Generosity, as I said, is something we are familiar with. Many of us know and have experienced generosity across 
our life. But radical generosity is something a little bit different. Because whilst you and I, we can be generous in a general sense, and many of us are, what makes, what, what is it about radical generosity that calls us to be different? How is this distinct from just general generosity in the world? Well, I think the difference is, and what I have come to understand of it is, generosity is when we give something of ours for the sake of someone else. You buy a round of drinks. You pay for something on behalf of someone else. Radical generosity, I believe, and this is where I want to take us for the rest of our time. Radical generosity is giving something that you have that costs you deeply on behalf of someone else. So this is not just the stuff you've got spare that you're just looking to clear out. That is, that's generosity. There's no, there's no doubt about that in terms of if you've got stuff, if you're downsizing, I know a few of you have been journeying through downsizing house, going from like a family home to something a little bit smaller, more manageable. You give a whole bunch of stuff to the op shop, don't you? I know you do. I've seen you do it (laughs) because their office is near mine. And that's an incredible sense of generosity. But what is that type of generosity? That's a general generosity giving of our excess of the things we don't need. And we could just throw them away or we could sell them, but we choose to give them. That's generosity. But radical generosity is different in that it is giving something of what we have that costs us dearly, that costs us more than perhaps we would like, costs us more than we wanted it to, perhaps. I believe that's the type of generosity that we are looking at this morning. To give you a perspective of what I mean, on Thursday this week, our household changed dramatically forever. And I was going to get a picture, but I wasn't organized enough because I was worship leading this morning. We welcomed Bailey into our household. Bailey is an eight-week-old Labradoodle. Bailey is a beautiful bundle of fluff. If anyone's seen it, I feel like I missed the opportunity of showing you all because that's just a, a, a brag, you know, proud dad moment. But if you've ever brought a puppy into your household, that right there is radical generosity. I reckon I've had about six hours sleep in the last two nights. It's a miracle that I'm even able to preach something, and it might get a little bit crazy this morning just out of sheer tiredness. So forgive me. We can delete the live stream if I say something I regret later on. Hopefully not, but we'll see how we go. We'll entrust that to the Holy Spirit this morning, perhaps. But opening our home to this little bundle of joy and energy required a great deal, not just a financial investment for us as parents, in, you know, because Mackenzie and Phoebe didn't give anything towards the situation, but it also requires knowing that there's going to be a great deal of sleep loss, and I like sleep. I love it. I've grown to love it. Being, a, you know, parents of young kids, we've been through the sleep, you know, poor sleep phase, and we're on the way out of that. One would argue, why on earth did we go back in there? But it's a... It's something that we chose to do, a gift to our children and in some ways to the puppy, although I'm not sure, quite sure if he agrees with that just yet. He's got more rules in our house than he did where he came from. So, But that, that gift of generosity to our family, that gift of generosity to our children, really, if you've seen the video I put up on, on uh, Instagram and, and YouTube, uh, sorry, Facebook, um, we didn't tell the girls that we were getting a puppy. 
And so is Mackenzie and, and Phoebe, our two daughters. We, they had no idea. And so they got home from school and, and daycare and just opened the door and there's a dog. And Phoebe like loses her mind and, Fee, and Mackenzie's just speechless. And it was, thank you, Daddy. I was like, hey, it's Mum's too. It wasn't just me. Thank you, Daddy. Thank, oh, my goodness, a puppy. Oh, my. It was incredible. But in that moment and every moment since then, it has become abundantly clear to me the cost of that generosity into our family life. What a cost. But friends, that gives us a little bit of an understanding, I think, of, of what this looks like in some ways. Seeking to be generous, seeking to give of ourselves to another, knowing that that gift will cost us significantly. And I think the reason that I thought this was such an important part of, our, of shaping our culture as a church is that generosity, as I said, is pervasive right throughout our, our culture, right through um, the community. But the thing about generosity, and I've mentioned this before, is that our culture has a really good way of taking something good and twisting it. Twisting it to its own ends. And it seems to me that as we look at our culture, generosity is one of those things. Because once upon a time, generosity was the thing that you just got to do for others. But if you, I've started, I did some research in and around this, and what we're discovering is that generosity has become a very, very powerful marketing tool. It's a tool that people are using to make money. And here's what I mean. You say, how did you, how, Josh, how does that work? Well, back in, let me pull up the article just for a minute. So, back in... 2015, a prediction was made in, a, in an article in Forbes magazine, and it said that within five years, the, the, the social or the economic analyst said, within five years, the primary differentiator for products in the world is not going to be excellence. It's not going to be. Everything's going to be so close, the difference between a Hyundai i30 hatchback and a Kia Sorento hatchback it's going to be negligible. You're not going to care. The, the two differences, not really. The difference between those two things and our, perspective, our perception of those two is not going to be, the, it's not going to be the, the goods or the services. It is going to be the relationship we have with the place that we seek to do business. And the way that they will shape that relationship is through generosity. Did you hear that? This person called it that within... Five years, so around circa 2020, the primary mechanism of a business engaging with us is not going to be the, good, the excellence of their products. It's going to be their, uh, our, the relationship that we have with them. And coupled with that was a second article that was published not long afterwards. It says, why is culture... Why, why a culture of generosity is good for your business. And picking up on the previous study of trying to find a differentiator, it says, and I quote, a culture of generosity through giving back to the community and to your consumers can help set your business apart and also demonstrates the power of gratitude. One guiding rule, ensure that what you are giving is appropriate and fits with your brand. For example, if you're a premium brand, the value adds and gifts that you give 
should reflect this. So the primary mechanism now of the business world is to give you stuff to improve the relationships so that we buy their products. When did generosity end up this way? You might even start looking back on your purchasing decisions over the last two weeks and go, nah, they got me. Because they do. And that's why I think talking about generosity within the context of the church and the way we're called to be different than everywhere else that we see generosity leveraged for and against us. I think that's why this matters so much. And so I want to have a look at a couple of scriptures that speak about this idea of radical generosity and why it matters so much to us. So the first passage that we're going to look at is 1 Timothy chapter 6. Actually, I reckon we're going to jump to the Proverbs passage, Centaine. Can we do that first? Because I'd love to shape us with just, I think this is the helpful way to, to, to begin, to talk about why generosity is better. Why it, why it is that radical generosity is the way that we are called to live our life. I think the first thing that's worth noting, and we see it in Proverbs chapter 11, is that when we are generous with what we have, we're not left wanting in the areas of life that truly matter. Proverbs 24, 11 promises, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. But another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, but whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. I think an important thing that we need to realize when it comes to generosity, particularly if we think of the calling that we have as a church to be radically generous, is the response is often, hey, Josh, you're calling us to be radically generous, but what about when I don't have enough? What do, what do I do then? But there's a mysterious reality attached to generosity that Scripture talks about again and again and again. And it says that when we are generous with what we have, we do not lack. We do not lack. When we notice a need and we fulfill a need on behalf of someone else, we gain even more. Has anyone ever had that experience in their life where you had a moment and you saw a need and you gave of what you had and you, didn't, you weren't quite sure, you know, what was going to happen after that, but yet somehow it worked out. It might not be that you gave 20 bucks and you got 50 bucks. It might not be that, like, might not be that at all. But you gave 20 bucks and you realized that you didn't need it and that someone else needed it more than you. And God was showing you that He's worth more than that $20 you had in your pocket. Sometimes the mysterious nature of generosity is that God uses it to show us the way things really are and what things are really worth. I believe generosity helps us understand that we won't be left wanting in the areas of life that truly matter. But secondly, I believe that generosity, or radical generosity, I believe, orients our heart towards something that is certain. In, in uh, 1 Timothy, so the first reading that came out, chapter 6, the Apostle Paul 
writes about this, and we've talked about this uh, sort of middle of last year, so you should be all across it, I'm sure. He writes, command those who are rich in this present world. Do you consider yourself rich? Not sure. Maybe think about it. You look across the world to the other parts of the world, and you go, well, I own a heck of a lot more than they ever will. Hmm? If you own a car, then you're in the top, you know, like 3% of the, the wealthiest people in the world. That's perspective. But then also we have much higher cost of living than many other places in the world. So it's hard to, hard to gain a perspective on those who are rich in this present world. But I think for many of us, we are rich. Command them to not be arrogant or they'll put their hope in wealth. Why? Because it's so uncertain. Wealth is, is not a, a certain thing. It's not a, a clear and done deal but instead to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything that we have for our enjoyment. Two things to notice. The first thing is wealth is uncertain. Anyone got superannuation? How's that been going over the last 25 years? Hasn't all been up and to the right, has it? Hard-earned money left to the whims of a market that is incredibly volatile perhaps even more so than it ever has been. When we put our hope in that investment, it's uncertain. We don't know where it's going to go. You put your hope in an investment down on the side of the River Murray in a house, and suddenly the house is not there anymore. It's so uncertain, the things that we have in this life. No one can guarantee that we're going to keep it. So he says, command those who are rich in this world not to put your hope there because it, you don't know what's going to happen. There's no control in that regard. But instead, to put a hope in God who gives what we need. He's provided us with everything that we have for our enjoyment. And there's, a, there's an important thing to notice here is that your stuff is not bad. My stuff is not bad. The money that you have is not bad. Do you know Why? Because God gave it to you. Everything that we have. Scripture is so clear about this. You didn't earn it. You think you did. But it's all within the context of God's sovereignty. God gave you the capacity to use your hands to, to be in that job, to earn that money, to put in that bank account. It all flows from one place, which means everything we have is not bad because it was all created by God. The problem is how we see it. And when we put our hope in it, that's when it goes from something good to something unhelpful. And Paul says, don't put your hope there. Instead, put your hope in God. Why? Because He richly provides you with everything that you need. Everything that you could possibly need. Is grounded in God, and it's all there for your enjoyment. He continues, he says, command them, that's you, that's me, to do good, to be rich, not in just prosperity, but to be rich in good deeds, to do stuff to, on behalf of others, and to be generous, there's our word, and willing to share what we have. That's our picture to be rich in good deeds. Sometimes our gener radical generosity isn't just giving stuff, although that can be important, and it's definitely necessary at times. Sometimes our radical generosity is giving of our time, 
giving of our talents, giving of our capacity, giving of our convenience, giving in all sorts of different ways, but to be generous with our good deeds and willing to share what we have. And he finishes this way, he says, in this way, they, that's you and me, will lay up treasure, treasure, good stuff for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Now, we know a little bit about the coming age, don't we? We preached about heaven and all of that. If you, have, if you missed any of that, you've got no idea what I'm talking about, check out online, because we, uh, we preached about heaven and the, and the coming age, what that looks like, and the Jewish perspective that Paul is talking about. He says, so when you're generous, when you're willing to share, you lay up a foundation for the coming age, for that age that is to come, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So Paul's point is you can't take your wealth when you go. Your kids get that. Or the, whoever you choose to leave it to, or, if, or if, it's not, if it's not anybody, then it all gets auctioned off and the money goes back whoever knows where. You can't keep your stuff when you go. When you've got it, you're not really in control. We can't really control what's going to happen to it. So wealth is, we can't keep it. When we've got it, it's uncertain. And God says, well, when you do something worthwhile with it, when you share it with others, you lay up a firm foundation for yourself in the coming age. That all sounds pretty good to me, doesn't it? That's the why and the what of generosity right there. But the thing that we, don't, we often miss in this second half, the last bit of this passage, is what, what, is the, what is the firm foundation that we lay down for the coming age? What is that? Does it mean when, if, when I, if I give to the church, now I get a Ferrari in heaven? Is that how it works? Or is it a Maserati? I'm a Bugatti guy myself, or even a Lamborghini. That could be you. Or you could just be happy with like a, I don't know, a Honda Civic, <laughs> a moped, Harley Davidson, I don't know, what, Ducati. I don't think that's what this, I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. I don't think our generosity compounds in such a way that we are richer in heaven, that we have a bigger mansion in heaven. I don't, think that's what that talk, I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think what he's saying is that the firm foundation that we are laying for the age to come is trust in God. You think about this. When we give of what we have for someone else, we're trusting God to fill the gaps that we don't quite understand. When we give of what we have for someone else, we are trusting that God is the one that's in control, not our bank account and the number that's in it, and not the security of the stuff that we have in our life. When we give away, it lays a firm foundation for us of faith and trust in the living God to provide for our needs. That God is the one that will sustain us. That Jesus is the one that saves us. Not the number of Facebook followers we've got. Not the number of likes on our most recent post. That it is Jesus that saves. That is the firm foundation that Paul is talking about. And somehow, through God's mysterious ways, generosity helps our heart. Helps unlock our heart to seeing and trusting God as our provider. God, excuse me, God as the center. God as the savior of our life. So generosity orients our heart to the right place. 
So how do we do this then? How, how do we become a radically generous church? How do you and I become radically generous people? Because it's pretty clear to me that I can't force you to do it. I can, I can open the door. I can say to you, this is probably the right way to go. And there's a good chance that there'll be days where I don't walk through that door myself. In fact, I can guarantee it. And I can't force any of you to walk through that, that door of, of a heart of radical generosity. So how do we do this? How do we get this right? It might seem a little bit predictable. It might seem a little bit obvious. But I do believe that to unlock the heart of radical generosity in our life, we need to actually see the radical generosity of God in our life. To unlock a radical generosity towards others, we need to understand in the very depths of our being, not just up here, but down here, the radical generosity of God towards us. And I'm not just talking about your house. I'm talking about the thing that really matters. I'm talking about Jesus. Because we believe in a radical God, a radically generous, one would say even recklessly generous. Although reckless, it sings well, but radical might, be, might have been a better, better vibe for it. But hey, Corey wrote a beautiful song, so I'm, gonna, I'm, not, a, I'm not writing songs, so he can do that. But I believe, we, we believe in a radically generous God. John 3.16, the most famous verse in all of Scripture says, For God so loved the world that He gave. What did He give? His second son. Oh, no, sorry. His first of many sons. No, try again. One and only son. For God so loves the world that He gave His one and only Son. Friends, if that's not generosity that costs you something, I don't know what is. That He gave His one and only Son, that whomsoever believes in Him won't perish, but have eternal life, have an eternal relationship with Him. That is radical generosity. And that is the type of generosity that God showed to you. And if you've never heard that before, hear it today, that God loves you so much. So much that He gave His Son to save you. Don't miss it. Don't push it away because you've heard it a thousand times. Because I believe that is everything. Everything. about everything we're talking about today. That when we truly understand the radical generosity of God towards us through His Son, Jesus Christ, that He he gave His life on a cross, was died, buried, and raised to life in three weeks. We're going to, is it three weeks? Yeah, we're going to celebrate that together. I believe that when we see it, and not not just the cost, in the broadest sense of, it's pretty in, intangible for us to grasp in many ways this truth of the gospel of Jesus gave his life for you. Okay, great. Got it. Thanks for telling me again. 
It's when we realize why, I believe, that hits home the most. It's when we look over our life and we realize all the places that we screwed things up and hurt people and we hurt God. Friends, that's called sin. It's the selfishness of our nature. It's a thing we don't like to talk about in the Western church in the 21st century, but it is the truth. That all the times we look back over our past that we screwed things up with people and that we did things that dishonored God, it's all of those things that Jesus died for. The ones that we feel most ashamed of, the ones that we wish we could change. The ones that we would take back in a heartbeat if we could. Friends, it's those things. It's the way you betrayed that person. It's the way you walked away from that relationship. It's those things. And so many more that we forget forget about. That Jesus used his blood and just wrote over them. And said, you know what? Those debts are done. And the reality is that for many of us, the longer we've been alive, the more things Jesus has written over the front of. And said that you don't need to worry about them anymore. There's no guilt or shame or condemnation. Why? Because I paid those debts. Done. And so I would argue that the longer we live in this life, the more we've got to be grateful for because the more radical and the more generous God is to us. And I, I believe that when we get this, it changes everything. It, it transforms our heart because this is not a practical, radical generosity is not a practical thing. I believe it's a spiritual thing. It's not a practical thing that we can willpower our way into. We'll do it for a little while and then we'll get tired and it'll get hard and we won't know what to do and we'll choose to do nothing. Just like all of our New Year's resolutions and everything else. But instead, I believe this call to radical generosity is not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing, which means when we understand it and grasp it in our spirit, our actions take care of themselves. Why? Because we are transformed. For that's our vision, isn't it? To see our lives transformed, to become something they weren't before by the good news of Jesus the Christ. The good news of God's radical generosity into your life is what transforms your heart to be the radically generous person God's calling you to be and calling me to be. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes it like this. He's writing to all the churches. Jerusalem at this time is in desperate need. They're experiencing a famine and a plague. And he writes to the churches right across the Mediterranean. He says, we need your money. We need your help. And so part of his apostolic journey, many people don't know that, is he was actually cruising around collecting money. He was door knocking, in in a sense, to the churches, writing to them to appeal for them to give to support Christians across in, in Jerusalem, but he writes this to them. He says, since you excel in everything, you guys are pretty good, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also 
excel in this grace of giving. Notice that grace. The word grace there is the word charis. That is a gift of the Spirit. It is a spiritual word for a spiritual act. Charis. The grace of giving. I'm not commanding you. I can't. But I, I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. This is the way that, we, that your love will be obvious in the world, he says, is your, your capacity to give, your capacity to be generous towards those that are in need, radically so, perhaps. For we've got to remember that the Corinthian church here and all the churches in the Mediterranean room, we're not wealthy places. They were the ones taking in all the sick and the infirmed, the ones that were taking in babies that the Roman Empire had already decreed would be killed or left to exposure to see if the gods would decide if they live or die. The Christian church, was it was their radical generosity in taking in those society had rejected in the first, second, and third centuries. That accelerated and set them apart. This is not a wealthy place, yet Paul appeals to them to give not a physical act, a spiritual act of giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, we're getting some hints of Philippians 2, the great hymn of humility. Though He was rich, yet for your sake, He became poor. Why? So that you through His poverty might become rich. Jesus chose to go from a place, what's His point? Jesus chose, that you're, He's saying to the Corinthian church, He's saying to you, He's saying to me, that our generosity is grounded in the way that Jesus displayed generosity by going from a place of extraordinary wealth at the right hand of the Father to becoming human, to giving His death on a cross, so that we might be rich, so that we might be set free. The truth of the gospel, at the risk of laboring the point, the truth of the gospel, friends, is what grounds our capacity for radical generosity. So as we finish our time together, I wanted to share with you just briefly the way that this is already becoming a part of our life. Many of you know that we have, as a church, some community partnerships. It's one of the, the four strategic things that we choose to do with our time. We could do a great many things as a church. We've chosen to do four things. Sunday worship, life groups, family ministry, and community partnerships. And community partnerships is the one that... You've heard a little bit about through some of the different organizations, but it's the way that we have chosen to steward our facilities and the things that we have here to help organizations that we want to support to do what they do better. And so we have chosen to be radically generous with our facility to open it up to not everybody, but certain organizations for nothing. Because we can. Because we feel like that's what God has called us to do. 
because we see the life that is, happen, is being brought about through the ministries. And some, some of the are non, non-profit organizations, some of them are for-profit organizations, but it doesn't matter. We're, we're asking the Spirit to show us, God, where do you want us to be radically generous with what we have been given? Because we could hold it for us, that'd be fine. We could just worship in here on a Sunday and close the doors for a week with less cleaning. But no, we have chosen And we will continue to choose to be radically generous with the opportunities God places before us. And it's not everybody, and it's not consistent, because love is rarely consistent. It is what it needs to be for the people that it needs to be. So that's something that we are doing. And we're going to continue to explore that as a a communal place. But as we finish, I've got two questions for you to reflect on as we go from here, and then I'm done. The first one is, if you came to this place or watched this online, and you feel like there's something missing in your life, and you've wondered what it is, even if you consider yourself a Christian, my question to you would be this, have you accepted to the very depths of your soul the radically generous gift of love and grace offered to you through Jesus. If, you don't even, if you're not even sure the answer to that question, then I want to pray with you after the service because I believe there is more of God's love He has to show you through His Son, Jesus. Even if you, There's no shame that if you've been a part of this church or a part of churches for 60, 70, 80 years, 20 years, 20 minutes, I don't care. If you're wondering, then I want to pray with you that God would show you more of His love for you. First, that's the first question. Second question is how can you take a step, one step, towards being more radically generous within your life this week? I don't want you to sell your house and give away everything. It's, that's not what I'm asking you to do unless God does, and then that's cool. What's one thing you can do? And to help you discern, ask God to show you what you have and ask God to show you a need and to give you the wisdom to know how to help. That's it. That's it. When you understand God's love for you, when you understand what you have and you ask God to show you a need, I believe your heart and His Spirit takes care of the rest. And from it, your life will be a radical witness of the love of God in the world. I don't know about you, but if I could say that of my week, I'd think that's a good week. Radical generosity is the calling of God upon all of our lives. But it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. When we know the truth in our heart. Let's pray together, church. Loving God, we thank you for your love and your grace and we, your radical generosity. And if we're honest, this concept of generosity is, is so broad that we can often, we don't even know what to do with it. We don't know how to help because there is so much need in the world. 
people, or would you get personal with us this week? Personal with us seeing the love that you showed to each of us through your son, Jesus Christ. Would that get personal for us this week? Maybe for the first time. But then with that as our center, show us what we have. and Show us a need. And give us the wisdom to know how to help in a way that is radically generous, that is responsible and that actually helps. Lord, we trust that your spirit will guide us. When it does, we will experience more of your love breaking through from heaven to earth in a new way. Thank you that we can be that gift to the world. Help us, Lord, to be radically generous. In your name we pray. Amen.